I'm Laura Vinrit Poole of Capital, and this is What We Wore. Lauren Harwell Godfrey is a jewelry designer with a truly distinct point of view that has emerged over many years of career reinvention. Lauren shares her winding road from a successful career in advertising to culinary school to her final destination as a jewelry designer. When I met you, it was such a visceral experience, and I don't, I'm sure this happens to you all the time. I think it's sort of how you are, but also how your jewelry is. But I, it, it's like when you know when when people are pregnant and you're you're supposed to ask like, do you mind if I touch your belly? <laughs> <laughs> but I think with you with your jewelry, I just remember just being like hands first, like like straight <laughs> to your neck because your jewelry is so. It, it is like visceral or something. There's something that oh. you just want to touch it. Thank you. Can we start from the beginning? Where, yeah. Where are you from? So I am from Southern California and yeah. uh, born and raised there. And then I moved up to Northern California where I am now in 1993 to go to college at the University of San Francisco. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, but grew up in LA or? Yeah, an area called Redlands. So it's a little bit east of LA, kind of between LA and Palm Springs. You're a real Californian. Yes, <laughs> definitely. What do you? What did you love most about growing up in California? You know, it's it's just a chill place to grow up. I, and I I was very into sports, so the town that I grew up in was really good for that. I had horses, so I was an equestrian, com, you know, competitor, hunter, jumper. I played soccer. I ran track. I um, played a little baseball when I was younger. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I was a sport, I was a sporty kid. I think it, you know, it helps uh, to develop a little competitive spirit. <laughs> Would your family say that you were creative? Yeah, I mean, I was the kind of kid where, you know, we'd go out to eat and I'd always have like a, a white placemat or paper in front of me, drawing, drawing, drawing. Like I was just constantly creating art. <laughs> and only child? I have a brother and it's funny. I actually saw him this weekend. I went down to visit with him and he was like, I'm so excited about what you're doing. He's like, I just remember when you were a kid and like, you draw these like outfits on ladies and jewelry and things. And he's like, I feel like you really like did it. I'm like, oh, that's I love funny. Because I don't remember specifically that that's what I was drawing, but that's his memory was that it was very fashion oriented. Was your mom into fashion? You know, she was a hardworking single mom. So she was more uh, not really into fashion, I will say. My grandmother was more into fashion. My mom was a nurse. And so she was kind of just had her head down and was, you know, and, and she was also a runner. So it was either like, nursing or running and it's kind of those are the things how did that influence you growing up with a single mom you know i i think you just have to be independent self-sufficient and i started working at a really young age because my mom found work to be important and she wanted to instill that in me so i think a lot of motivation and drive um, and i saw her really out there hustling and you know trying to do her best to take care of us so i think that instilled a work ethic and did she notice your creativity? She did. She did. And she was awesome because it, she, it's funny. She's like, had I, you know, not needed to really focus on taking care of you guys and get a job that I knew would pay me. She's like, I had, she had creative ambitions too, but kind of put them to the side to do this. So I think she was excited to see that um, come out in, in me. And she definitely fostered it. When you went to USF, did you pursue a creative career, I guess, a creative path? Yeah, I actually, so at that time, and I don't think it's a thing any longer, USF had a program with the Academy of Art College. So I, which was, is not accredited. I, don't, I still don't think it's accredited, the Academy of Art, but I wanted to graduate with credits in case I wanted to pursue 
you know, education down the road, which who knows, haven't done it yet, still could. <laughs> but I graduated the Bachelor's of Fine Arts and my degree was advertising design with an emphasis in art direction. So it was like super targeted and cool. super creative. But all of my sort of main classes towards my major were through the Academy of Art. And then all of my uh, liberal arts classes were at the University of San Francisco. Did you work growing up? Did you have a uh, job? I had so many jobs. I had funny (laughs) jobs. So my first job was at this place called the Cracker Jack Gift Company in downtown Redlands. And it was great. I would sit in the window and they had all these acrylic things like frames and boxes. And I I would just take paint pens and like personalize them for people. So that was job number one. It was really fun. And then I, not so fun, got a job as a hostess at IHOP. (laughs) And I remember it was a freeway exit or two away and I didn't really know how to drive and my mom and stepdad basically like here's a stick shift truck good luck you know and I'm like trying to get to work so that was funny I worked through college I was an RA I worked at Macy's like I did all kinds of stuff worked at a cafe was it ever in pursuit of like maybe this is something I mean probably not IHOP waitress, but is there, this is something I could be interested in or just more, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a worker. <laughs> I, it was more just like, I'm a worker and I'm going to try yeah. to just, you know, have some money coming in to do yeah. the stuff I want to do. Was your dad in the picture? Was he supportive of your creative path? You know, he and I weren't all that close. And my parents divorced when I was four and he moved from California to Utah, became a devout Mormon, which is not a ideology I shared with him. Um, so we kind of just grew apart and I would see him in the summers. He always, I think, and he passed away recently. So I'm, you know, potentially putting words in his mouth, but I think he always wanted me to be, you know, an odd duck in a way because I was so creative. I don't think he totally got it. He was like into sales and did his thing, but yeah. So we were, we were pretty different people, but he was cool. It was never, you know, anything major. It's just not, we weren't that similar or that close. Although I look like him, which is interesting. Was there a first piece of jewelry that you remember falling in love with? Yes. My grandmother, <laughs> who, my grandmother was a real character. Her name was your, Johnny. Your mom's mom? <laughs> my mom's mom. And we spent a lot of time with her. So she, we were, we would see her basically every weekend. And she was always very into like getting dressed up, being fabulous. She sang in a bunch of choirs and like, <laughs> would wear a lot of sequins and had fake, you know, false eyelashes she put on <laughs> and like cold cream on her face and doing the whole nine yards. And she at one point bought herself a diamond ring on a trip to Antwerp, I believe. And she was oh. very proud. She said, these are De Beers diamonds. And it was this whole thing. And so as a kid, I just remember every time I go to see her and again, very often I'd be like, can I put the ring on grandma? Let me try on the <laughs> ring grandma. Yeah. So she also passed away recently and she, my mom was like, this is for you. Like she, this was meant to be yours. This is what she wanted. So um, very sweet. Yes. And do you wear it? I wear it every day. Actually, oh, wow. so she wore it as a cocktail ring. She was that kind of lady and she wore it every day <laughs> as a cocktail ring. Um, but I reset it into a band that I stack with my engagement ring and wedding band. I actually put her initials in it and her, the year she was born and the year she passed and a bunch of little nods to her. So it's, Very much her ring, but I wear it every day. Were stones a part of your growing up at all? You know, I was always interested in kind of making jewelry as a hobby and a craft growing up. And I zoomed over this part. But actually, my first college experience is that I went to Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, which is kind of a hippie town. There are lots of, you know, bead stores (laughs) and things. So I was always kind of playing with that stuff. 
stuff and interested in rocks and stones. I transferred out of there two years later because I was like, this is not my place, but it was cool <laughs> for two years um, and it's beautiful. But, and then I moved into San Francisco and I lived right off of Haight Street because the University of San Francisco is over there. And that's another kind of like lots of bead stores and hippie stuff and stones and, you know, uh, totally. healing stones. So that's always been around me and I've always been pretty drawn to it. What drew you to advertising? I think it was Bewitched, <laughs> which probably <laughs> reveals my age because that was something I watched as a child. Um, but there were always, I feel like there were some really interesting shows. Who's the boss? There were like these like kind of cool advertising execs. And I was like, that looks fun. And I like to make art, but I want to get paid. So like, how can I do all those things and like have this career? So <laughs> I, I really believe it was my like latchkey kid over TV watching, you know, childhood that pointed me in that direction. But then I pursued it and I, you know, I find communications interesting and I loved, I like telling stories and I just, a lot about it appealed to me. So I think it was a, gr a very good path for me to get on. I'm surprised I actually made such a good decision <laughs> that early <laughs> in my life. <laughs> and then, so what was your first role? So I started as an intern and they ended up hiring me at this agency called Goldberg Moser O'Neill. And I worked there for seven years in San Francisco on Maiden Lane. My job at the time as an intern was to take the art directors who didn't know how to use computers layouts and put them on the computer. Oh my God. And then I was the only person who knew how to make animated gift banners. So they kind of were like, we need to hire her because she's the only one who could do this. Oh my so that's God. how I got my foot in the door. Um, and I was cool. desperate. I was working at Macy's at the time in the Esprit department, and it was a nightmare. And I was like, please hire me so I can stop this terrible <laughs> job. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, Macy's. <laughs> was your goal always to become creative director? Or did you did you know what that was even at the time? Yeah. So in college, when I was going through my program, you know, advertising design with the emphasis in art direction, we were making – we were gearing up to a portfolio. So to become a creative in advertising, you have to show like, here's my creative work. And 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 that time it was really truly like print portfolio was kind of the way you could do it in school. Cause we didn't really have, you know, the tools that you have now to be able to make like a little fake commercial or whatever you would do. So it was very print oriented um, for me, but yeah, I knew I wanted to be on the creative side. That was my, that was my intent. And so the path usually as a creative is to become an art director and then, you know, junior art director, art director, senior art director, junior creative director, creative director. So it's this like kind of path that you work your way up. And how long did it take you to get to that? You know, I ended up in the industry for 15 years, but I think my probably my last five years were as a creative director. Wow. So like and it took, it took a while. What was the most meaningful client or project that you worked on? You know, I'd say the project that really kind of catapulted my career, if you will, was I did a campaign for the Mill Valley Film Festival, which is funny because I live near Mill Valley now. And at the yeah. time, you know, it seemed like a world away because it's across the bridge, but they do this really great, really legit film festival. And we did a campaign for it. And it won a gold pencil at the one show, which is a big advertising honor. And again, this is like pre LinkedIn. So to get the word out about <laughs> yourself and like the amazing stuff you're doing it's like winning an award was kind of how you did it because then other agencies would see you oh how interesting yeah that got me a job in new york at shyatt day on madison huh. avenue which was like a cool accomplishment during this time did jewelry or stones play a role in in this season of your life at all like was that still something you thought about i mean i think 
for me, it was more about how I was presenting myself, you know, as a working woman and creative director and looking like a creative person. So I would certainly play with wardrobe and play with jewelry, but I wasn't really making anything at that point because I was so caught up in my work in advertising. It didn't have a lot of free time for for other (laughs) pursuits. And then you sort of took a, a turn. Yeah, I actually, so I met my husband at work. He was a VP um, and on the account side, and I was a junior art director when I met him. You know, we ended up, you know, I moved to New York, but I came back to California and we got married. And then there were two of us working in advertising and working in advertising equals like late nights and weekends. We're like, it's kind of a lot to have both of us doing this. And I felt like I was creatively moving on and not feeling as fulfilled by the job anymore. So I left and went to culinary school because I was like, I know I want to do something else. <laughs> and I thought that was it. So yeah, that was that was the, the next turn. But did it connect immediately? I mean, did you love it from the start? I loved culinary. And at the time when I left, that's kind of the, actually, that was kind of my outlet other than work was I was cooking a lot and I was really interested in like making extravagant meals and And as an art director, I was like, maybe there's a way to parlay that passion and become um, a food stylist and work on cookbooks and, you know, do something visually, you know, inspired, but have it be in the culinary world. I'm really into cooking. And I feel like my job is such a long process, like from buying to confirming to receiving from to, you know, on the floor to selling. It's like a six month process, I guess. And I love cooking because it's, you know, it's an hour or, you know, however long it takes. And and there's a result and you can say this was great. This was terrible. Do better next time, (laughs) whatever it is. So I, I, it's like, I really need those sort of small wins or small creative moments just because the long game is pretty long. It is. I agree. And yeah, the immediate gratification of cooking and just feeding people and Making people, people getting happy. excited about it. Yeah, there's something yeah. beautiful <laughs> about that for sure. Y'all were in San Francisco at this point. Yes. Yeah, so I went to a school called the San Francisco Cooking School and they recently closed, um, I think pandemic related, but I was mm-hmm. their first student, like literally the first person <laughs> to enroll. So I love it. Yeah, but it was a professional program. It was kind of an accelerated professional program, but it was great because they placed us in restaurants when our schooling was over. And then we did like these externships in an actual like great San Francisco restaurant. So that was very cool. Where did you work? So I worked as part of the school program at a restaurant called SPQR. That's um, still there in the city. And Matt Acarino is the head chef mm-hmm. and Shelly Lindgren ran the wine program and she's lovely. And so it was, it was really interesting. So I was like, I love making pasta and I want to work at this restaurant, but turns out making pasta is like the cool job. So I wasn't getting that job. (laughs) I was like cleaning. Chopping shallots. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like getting like, you know, worms out of mushrooms. So it was. (laughs) Cleaning morels. I love it. Yeah. 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 And and razor clams. That was really worse than the morels. (laughs) Did you think that this was something you wanted to to continue to pursue? What were you telling your husband at the time? So I ended up staging for a year, one night a week at um, Bar Tartine, which is no longer around. But I loved those chefs. They were so wonderful. And I just, I'm still just, you know, they're wonderful people. Courtney buys jewelry from me, which is really sweet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, she's awesome. But, and so is Nick. But yeah, so I, uh, I, I did want to pursue it. And I actually ended up starting my own blog. And it's a, it was a vegan recipe blog, which I'm not a vegan, but I wanted to eat more plant based. So I did this whole direction. That's amazing. And you you weren't a vegan then either? No, 
That's I was just <laughs> interested in plant-based food. It was called We Golden. And yeah. I did that for a while. And then that got picked up and publications started noticing. So I started writing recipes for like O Magazine and InStyle did a piece and just, you know, some interesting things. So it was, it was cool. And then I ended up helping to open a vegan restaurant in San Francisco and like giving them recipes. So it kind of uh, it went down a path. Yeah. Yeah, really did. And then you took another turn. Tell me about like, where, where did it go wrong? <laughs> well, I realized that no one wants to pay you for your culinary expertise. Like I was having a really hard time making any money. And I'm like, Again, I'm like, I like to be valued and I know I've worked for so long. I'm like, I know my work is worth something. And in advertising, I was at a point where I was making a lot of money and I was like, you know, it's a lot of work and I was starting to just get turned off on cooking and all just because I was like working, working, working and like, you know, I don't, I don't know. I had a day where I was like, I want to do something that's not food. And so I went to a leather store and like bought myself a stuff to make a belt and I made this belt and I was like, ooh, that was kind of fun. I like working leather. And then I was like, I have a festival coming up. I'm going to make some like leather and crystal jewelry to wear at this festival. And I put, I fashioned this necklace and people were like, where'd you get that? And I was like, you know, I'm, I made it. And then I had all this interest. So I started just kind of making these things and it sort of organically took off as this thing. And that was my first iteration in jewelry as a business. And so that was like, 2015, 2016. But how did you learn to, other than being just using your own genius, but how how did you learn to work with, with the metal and well, with leather first and then, and then stones? Yeah, I taught myself. I basically taught myself and here's, I ended up leaving this direction behind as well, because what I realized, I I tried to hire someone and train them in this method that I had developed. (laughs) That was just me teaching myself this weird thing. And the person I tried to train was highly capable. And she's like, this does not make sense to me. I'm like, (laughs) I just saw the future written on the wall. And it was gonna be like, I was gonna be in my garage forever, like hammering out these necklaces. And I'm like, this is not good, because I can't scale, because it's just me. And I don't want to be that one. And, and how are you selling them at that point? Were you selling them? Trunk shows and like okay. kind of like going around to some limited retailers. But it it's funny. They were selling really well directly to like consumers. But like getting retails to, retailers to understand them was hard. So it wasn't – it was a tricky road. And I actually reached out to my friend who is the founder of the showroom I'm still in currently as a oh, yeah. fine jeweler. I was like, can you help me? And she's like, I'll try, but this isn't really what I do. It's not fine jewelry. So she tried and it was just, it was funky. We had a hard time getting any sort of like traction. And then how did it move to fine jewelry? I mean, like, how did you even know how to start? I loved making these things. But again, I was like, I, I think I want this to be a business. And as a business, you need something that's scalable. At least that's what I thought. So, yeah. and I'm not, it's funny, business is not the thing I come the most naturally to. I've worked as a creative for so long that I was like, how do I you know, think about this as a business? What would I want to do? And so I reached out to my friend, Randy Malofsky, who's the founder of For Future Reference, the showroom that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I said, I think I want to do fine jewelry because I think I could design some things and then have other people, experts make them. I'm not making them. So that means I can scale, right? And she's like, yes, but it's really expensive. And it's going to take you a while to catch on and Patrick's going to kill you because you're going to be spending all his money. Like, yeah, right. Do you really want to do this? I said yes, because I'm stubborn and I didn't know any better. And now in hindsight, I'm like, that was crazy. 
but yeah, I started off making like a little, I, like for years working on like my first fine jewelry collection, making little pieces and for future reference launched me in 2017 as a fine jewelry brand. And then I would take the money that I'd make by selling like these little pieces and feed it back in. I kind of just scaled up from there by putting money back into the business. As I said in the beginning, like you, you're, you're your best model. I mean, I think seeing the jewelry on you is just so inspiring and intriguing. And, and so how did you, I guess with your background in advertising, you kind of, that, that connected for you too. I think I have like advertising PTSD a little bit. Cause I'm like, I never <laughs> want to do the marketing part of this job. I'm like, I'm like, I just want to design. I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. But I do think again, there's, I've learned, I learned a lot through that job and I think I've learned how to be a storyteller. So on Instagram, you know, I'll share things and I'll kind of share the story behind things because it's all very personal. Does thinking of advertising or thinking of marketing make you design things differently? You know, I think it makes me problem solve differently because I was trained for that whole 15 years of being in that industry to work on a brief. So for Uh, me, I still give myself jewelry briefs. I'll be like, Hey, you know, what would it look like if Harwell Godfrey and this design language I've been creating with this brand went into like making jewelry based on animals? Like when I, when I did that for the first time, which I launched that at Couture in 2022, I believe. Yeah. I had gone to an exhibit at the natural history museum that Mary and Faisal put together and it was all based on animal jewelry. I'm like, that's really cool. What would it look like if I did that? So I'll give myself these exercises and I feel like it's really helpful because yeah. it that's kind of how a collection will come together for me. It'll be like, what, there's a little problem I want to solve or think about and how would I approach it? And that comes from advertising. You had a son around the time when you started the business. How did you handle that? You know, I have to say, I felt, I feel still like it's this great outlet because sometimes I just need a break from thinking about jewelry and he's great for that. He's <laughs> such a great welcome distraction. And then sometimes I'm like, being a mom feels really hard. I'm going to go design some jewelry. <laughs> so <laughs> it's this funny like balance, but I really feel like he brought balance to my life where before I would just be like work, 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 head down and yeah. I'd burn out. I feel like I bur- don't burn out as much because I have him to sort of, you know, uh, turn my attention to and take me out of this headspace. <laughs> He's six and a half now. So it's Aww. been, you know, six and a half years of, of a different focus. Do you design alone or do you collaborate with other artisans? And is everything made in California or made in New York? Or? So I am the only designer. So it's all me doing that um, part of it. And then I typically sketch. And then I have a really great CAD designer that I've found that I love working with. And so we'll kind of take it into CAD and work out the technical kinks that way, but it's more, you know, technical, if anything changes more than design. Yeah. I actually have an office in New York. So I'm, I am based and live in California, but all my production happens in New York. So I do have a factory that I work with. It's in LA, but most of it happens in New York. And then at what point in, in designing, did you realize that you had a, a real aesthetic of your own? I mean, was it from the beginning you knew that it looked like nothing else? So for me, part of the reason why I even thought this was an interesting thing to do is there was just a vibe that I was looking for in jewelry that I didn't feel like I was finding. And so I was like, hey, if it's not out there, you know, maybe I can be the one to make it. And it was this like more kind of geometric, edgier 
thing. And in the beginning, it's funny, I was, I was kind of pulling in from my like healing crystals and doing these like things that were around the four elements. I just, I kind of was pulling in a lot of different inspiration, but I think the aesthetic and the point of view was always very much um, kind of heavy on pattern. And I really enjoy and collect African textiles. And, and I just think textiles are so interesting because there's a pattern there. So the jewelry kind of like aesthetically comes out of there. So yeah, I feel like it's always had a very distinct point of view, even though I'll kind of play with different themes in the collections. And was there one piece that sort of made you feel like you were really going in the right direction? Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think what exactly that one piece would be. I mean, I did in the very, very beginning, this little pair of pyramid studs, but they were like more of a hexagonal pyramid and they had like kind of diamonds and like not all the way around it, but in these triangles that were in it it just it felt like something in that little tiny piece these little (laughs) earrings but I'm like it feels like there's something there yeah um and that was one of the first pieces I made one of the things too I I have such a love for Egypt and I think you do too (laughs) yes but Africa um one of the things that you said in the pre-interview is that you had a, a real yearning for a connection with your dad's side of the family in a way, and and wanted to explore your African heritage. Will you, will you talk to me about that and tell me about the personal exploration of that? It's interesting since, again, he and I weren't very close, and he had a twin brother who I think they really had their ins and outs, and I didn't really know him very well. He was also in a very interesting religion himself <laughs> called the Promise Keepers. So oh, wow. it, was just this, it was this interesting, you know, these guys and their kind of religious pursuits and made it, I think, a challenging for me to really connect with them. And then his parents passed away when I was very young. So I didn't have a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And there weren't a lot lot of other family members around on his side. So it just, you know, again, I I look like him and I'm part of him and I wasn't really connecting to him. So I think I've always been trying to find a way to like have a deeper connection to the black side of my family. Jewelry has really created this interesting space for that because I think what's coming out of me aesthetically and kind of naturally feels rooted in that part of my family to me. Um, And it's been really nice to feel like I can dig deeper into that and explore that more. And I feel like this connection has been made through this work, which is really nice. Yeah. Was there a certain experience or place that you traveled that, that was the most critical to the process of, of discovering this? It's interesting. So I had been to North Africa. I was in Morocco um, before I started making jewelry. And I think seeing kind of like, again, patterns and craftsmanship. And um, I went to a lot of the bazaars there. And there's a lot of work from all over Mm -hmm. the continent that ends up in Morocco because it's such a place like where trading happens. Right. And I just I, I bought some things and found some pieces and just started feeling this like really a deep connection to the things that I was touching there. Mm-hmm. But then earlier this year, De Beers took me and a group of other designers to Botswana. Oh, so that wow. was my first time in sub-Saharan Africa. And it was so incredibly moving. Like, and we, there were quite a few other black designers who hadn't from America that hadn't been to sub-Saharan Africa before. And we like got to experience it together. And it was just this really incredible experience. What's your greatest wish for the jewelry that you're putting into the world? I, I feel like it's twofold. On one hand, my wish is that it lets me continue doing this. So I just hope the business thrives so that I can keep making more jewelry because I, I love doing it. <laughs> and then I hope that it just ends up on people, you know, who appreciate it and connect with it. You think this is your final career cycle? 
I don't feel like I've ever been this creatively fulfilled and I really love it. And I, I've, there's such a great community that I've uh, found in this industry. I have a lot of friends in it. I just love, again, the materials and the retailers that I work with are wonderful. And so it's just been this really, I don't know, it's been a great experience. I think I'm not, I'm not planning to go anywhere anytime soon. I think that's a really hard thing to do. I don't know many people that are willing to be open to that, you know, to, to changing direction several times. And one, you must have had a really strong support system, but, but I think two, a really strong character, I guess, or a belief in yourself and belief that everything would be okay. And it's, it's interesting. It's, it's unusual, really. And really, and really, and really brave. I'm stubborn again, very stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, you know, my husband has been an incredible support and he's, he was like, you know, try the culinary thing. When that didn't pan out, he's like, you know, you'll figure it out basically. So, and I feel like I finally figured it out. But it doesn't sound like you were like got super down and were like, I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. It sounds like you always were sort of turning different directions and finding positive things. I just really love to learn. I still, I, that's the thing I think of all. And I, and I love to make things. So it's like when I can do those two things, learning something new and making something with it, that's like my happy place. Yeah. I mean, it also, for me, it just seems really, really brave to just like start making jewelry, <laughs> like, you know, and and not <laughs> have a, any background in it. Tr- I mean, specifically not, not have training and, and to create something so beautiful and so distinct, really. I mean, it is really you. your point of view. It's, it's, uh, it's really unusual. Well, I have to give a lot of credit to, for future reference, my yeah. showroom, because I, I went to them, you know, from day one and said, you know, I, I did cause I know also it's a hard thing to do alone and I'm not an expert. So again, I think having had a few professional careers taught me to surround yourself by good people and like yeah. to fill in the gaps where you need to with people who can help. And they were amazing and gave me a lot of their time and basically really mentored me into the industry, which was great. remember what you wore to the prom? <laughs> I do. I wore a dress and I it, I think I got it at Nordstrom. I don't remember the exact brand, but it was an off the shoulder kind of uh, fitted bodice flared skirt that went below the knee, but not much longer. Wait, what, co- what color re- and what fabric? Okay. So this is where it gets really bad. <laughs> Try to set the, set the, off the shoulder seat. sounds was, cool. It was cute, um, but it was a red and white floral pattern with clear sequins over it. Cool, I like that. So that is de- interesting. I have, that I have not heard that in a hundred and however many episodes. That sounds really cool. And then, so it didn't hit the floor. And then, what? So, what were your shoes? Because you would see white shoes. Shoe. Look at you. You know, <laughs> stepping <yes>. out. <laughs> really going for. It. I think I had pantyhose on. <laughs> and jewelry or no jewelry. You know, it's so funny. Minimal on the jewelry. Uh, yeah, it's. I, and I look back at my wedding photo, and I have like no jewelry on it. I like. Huh. It's. It's been an interesting evolution for me on jewelry too. It didn't exist yet. The jewelry right. you wanted to wear. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you, Lauren, for doing this so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been so much fun. Thank you. What we wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. 
The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drozda. Please follow us on Instagram at What We Wore Podcast for additional content and show updates. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot com.